the way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Is the latest U.S. solution to Israel really going to solve anything or create more problems? Israel has lots of problems with Russia that we'll discuss. Salvation apparently can only be found in Davos, Switzerland. As we continue to find more prophetic craziness as we look at the signs of the times, our weekly review of Bible prophecy that we find in the world's news for Friday, May 20th, 2022. To learn more about our program, subscribe, share, or ask a prophecy question, download the Way Media app, or hit us up at thewaymedia.net, which is the only place where you can read the articles that we discuss, and we always encourage you to do that. And now, here to help us untie the knots of life is Pastor Mark, who, as he was starting to get older, began remembering all the people he lost along the way. It was then he quit his job as a tour guide and became a pastor. <laughs> right? Yeah, and hopefully I won't lose any doing that. There you go. You gave me the laugh track. That's good. I had to. I, I could only take the smilence for so long. That's right. I, I, That's needed, right. I needed encouragement. That's right. <laughs> These things are hard. To, you know, it's easier to find prophecy articles than it is good jokes. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, that's so. good. You don't want to jump on the tour bus, drive <laughs> 20 miles down the road, and realize that uh, somebody's missing. That's, that's uh, No, you don't. Not a good thing. Not a good thing at all. Okay. All right. Let's get Speaking into the tour articles. bus. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. The Israel, Israel tour bus. Here we go. We're getting on the Israel tour bus right now. Okay. I heard the music. I'm ready to go. All right. We're at Capernaum. There we are. Getting ready to launch into the Sea of Galilee. I love it. To play some worship music on a boat. There you go. Okay, Israel365news.com is reporting that Biden's solution uh, for the Arab violence in Jerusalem is to give the Temple Mount to Jordan. Yeah, well, and again, it's interesting. You know, it, it had, let me read some of it, and then we'll kind of lay this out. This isn't huge, but again, it shows the uh, American mindset of our current leadership, which is huge. Yeah, and I'll explain why it's not huge, and yet it is. President Biden met with King Abdullah II of Jordan on Friday in Washington to discuss the outbreak of Palestinian violence on the Temple Mount. In the official statement following the meeting, he affirmed his commitment to just a Jordanian custodianship on the site. And I quote: "The president affirmed his strong support for the two-state solution to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and cited the." need to preserve the historic status quo and that's the key here at the haram al-sharif temple mount uh you know again uh, this isn't new news really greg right now and maybe our listeners don't know this jordan right now has control of the temple mount now it's a weird setup because it's it's in israel's control because it's in israel and it's their capital but when they recaptured the city of jerusalem in 1967 rather than causing a world war to break out uh, they decided to leave the Temple Mount in the hands of Jordan, and that's who had it at that time. So they said, we have sovereignty over it if we want. We're here. We kind of control the area around it, but we'll let you keep custodianship of it uh, to watch over it because we don't want everybody to attack us from all sides. We just had this yeah. victory here, et cetera. So they didn't do that. So really, it's already under the control of Jordan and has been since, well, I mean, since really almost uh, you know World War II. Uh, and then again, even when Israel took it in 67, it stayed under control and it's there now. So that's not what's really, um, I guess, alluring about this article that I wanted to leave in here. What, what really got my attention is the president is making a point to stand against Israel. He, he, he's like, it's not only we want this to stay in Jordanian hands. It's also we want you to stop doing the settlements. We want you whatever. So it's almost like this statement of we're standing against you while we stand with you. And we've seen that this administration has not been real supportive of Israel. So to me, it's more of a statement of our nation 
not standing with the nation of Israel. It would have been best kind of just stay out of it, so to speak, but he has to go over and kind of make these statements. So uh, that's a bad sign for us, and we need to be aware of that. And, you know, remember, God blesses those who bless Israel. God curses those who curse Israel. Genesis 12.3, so that's something to keep on the radar and just to be aware of. Uh, who knows what other statements are going to come out of this? He's over there right now. And, of course, now he'll be traveling. I don't know if he's going over to uh, the World Economic Forum, which we'll get into later or not. But if he is, he'll be leaving there and heading that direction. He probably is going to and be over there during that time. We'll see. But there may be more statements coming out of Israel before this is over. Okay. All right. Our next story uh, from Israel 365 News uh, underscores what we have said over the last two years. And that is is that the COVID-19 what we call pandemic, uh, is the single biggest unifier that we have seen of all the end times prophecies yeah. coming together or being a catalyst to f- push them further along to their fulfillment. Right. I mean, there's just there's nothing else like it. Right. There is nothing else like it. And this just this next story just further underscores this. And that is Israel's to join the United States in surrendering basically our health authority or our health autonomy, whatever, to the World Health Organization or the WHO. Yeah, and it's interesting, Israel going right along, which again, we know, Greg, they're going to go right along with the whole end times, last days scenario. So this doesn't surprise, but it still does, and it's like sad. But again, I want to talk a little bit about this, obviously, but let me read some of this. In four days, the World Health Organization will vote on resolutions that will give the emergency powers over any country they choose. The Biden administration initiated the measures. So this was done by President Biden um, right as he was coming into office. But they kept this under wraps, the article says, until a few weeks ago when the vote was a foregone conclusion. That is, once it was settled, it's going to be done. Now they're talking about it. You're not going to hear this on the mainstream news. No, you're not. For obvious reasons that's right which we will discuss more it was recently revealed that israel fell into lockstep as you said backing the measure uh though one exceptional politician has become the voice of reason in the government that has run amok the the who governing legislative body the world health organization will be voting on the provisional agenda in item 16.2 in geneva on may 22nd that's this sunday the agenda described by the WHO under the headline, Strengthening WHO Prepares for and Response to Health Emergencies, the new agenda would give them, note this, this is huge, it would give them the power to unilaterally declare a health emergency in any country. <laughs> this yes. means, Greg, what this, what this vote does, it gives this World Health Organization authority over America and our Constitution to call for lockdowns and masks and whatever else they want to do if they say there's a pandemic. The Biden administration is the one who gave these powers to them, the article says, in proposed amendments on January the 18th. No one knew that they had done this till April 12th. Um, and again, if, if this is passed, it'll go into effect in November unless there's a major uprising. We have six months to really just scream loud and try to stop it, but this is huge on a number of levels we'll get into. Well, my question for you, Pastor Marcus, because I know that you spent a lot of time looking at these things beyond what we're just reading. Right. So my question is, have you seen any article out there that talks about that this would be unconstitutional? Well, again, theoretically, you know, Yes, it would be theoretically. Not that that really matters in the age that we're living in, because clearly lawlessness is abounding. You're right. You're right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the the Constitution, again, declares that we're independent of ourselves, even under the authority of God. So, yes, technically, yes. But if the government agrees to hand that authority over and nobody stops it, then it it happens. Wouldn't something like this require the vote of our legislature? Well, you would think so, but no. You would think it does, because here's what's happened. There's this whole weird thing that's come up between the health departments, even in America, and the governing bodies. In Tennessee, Greg, until we found out that our local health department had authority over the state, over the governor, they had authority over the governor to determine whether or not there would be mask mandates, whether or not there would be lockdowns, etc., until our legislature went and passed a new bill saying, no, you don't. It's it's almost like you don't need a law till you know you need it. And while you're right, mm-hmm. the Constitution does say, and you could make an argument that you can't do that, 
If the government gives over our sovereignty, and that's what's happening here, don't kid yourself, they're giving over national sovereignty to the WHO over our health things. If we give that over and nobody in America stops it and fights it, it becomes the new law of the land. Well, and and let's pull back, even though we can, we'll get into the weeds on this, but let's pull back and look at the 30,000 foot prophetic view of this. We've, We've said for as long as we have been on the air since 2007. Yeah. That at some point in time, based on what prophecy says, we are going to have to relinquish or lose or somehow abdicate our sovereignty That's right. in order for this true global governance, this one world everything, to work as the Bible says right. it's going to work. Right. Yeah. So really, we're really seeing that prophetic fulfillment beginning, would you say? I would absolutely, well, yes, I would say it's it's as already begun but really kicking in the really high gear yeah. yeah and and that's why i want to kind of approach this bad news good news i'm gonna leave the good news sure. for last encourage everyone because on the face without knowing god's involved it's horrible news horrible news knowing god's involved this is exciting and i'll get to that in just sure. a moment but again foundationally we see as you brought up at the beginning israel going along we know they're going to be blindly greg led right along with the spirit of the age walking into their own death you know it's it's one thing to be forced into a situation where someone's going to kill you. It's another thing to, to willingly walk into it being deceived. It's almost like walking into an ambush. And I see the nation of Israel walking into an ambush because the, the, remember the Antichrist, he wants to control everything and wipe every, he wants to be the Lord over all Satan working through him, but he wants to wipe out the Jews in that process. So they're walking into this trap being led by him. Then once he ta- deals with them, he wants to deal with whatever church is left over, not the church, I should say, because the church will be gone in the rapture, yeah. but believers that are that get saved after the rapture, and then he simply wants to dominate and rule over the world. So the sad thing is, you see Israel going right along, just walking to their own death by going along with these guys. They're going to believe the Antichrist is their Messiah. Now looking at this from what's happening here in the world, this is just, again, tr- a travesty. It's tragic, and it's, 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 I guess you would almost say an abomination in many ways in a lot of our Constitution. And the Bill of Rights, because this is what's happening. I want our listeners to understand this, and I want to encourage you again. Call your congressmen and senators. Let them know, stop this at all costs. First of all, it's a huge spiritual power grab worldwide, which we know is going to happen. Let me give that a balance. We know that's going to happen, so what do we do as believers? We have two options. Lay down and just let them take over, or fight till the end. What does God tell us to do? God says fight till the end. The Bible says contend for the faith. Yeah. Terry till he comes. That's right. We are to fight until there's no more ability to fight. So we don't just give in because we know the world's all going to become one world government, one world that. We don't just give in because we know the Antichrist is going to take over. No, we fight tooth and nail until it's done. All right? So don't stop fighting. Keep that in mind. Um, so we know that's going to happen, and we have to d- deal with that. The second thing we have to realize is now to recognize, let's put on our spiritual glasses and see what's going on. First of all, informationally, you need to know your government's about to hand your health authority over to another, an international body outside of America. Yeah, so you could, you, so you could say, you know, not, a, not just that the WHO could come in and say, everyone in the United States has to wear a mask. Yeah. They could come in and say, everyone by law. Yeah has to take a vaccination. Yeah. Well, the way to work is this way. You're right. We They could they can come out, and they will. Trust me, they'll use this power. Yes. They'll come out and say, uh-oh, worldwide pandemic, or just America, or the southern states, or whatever they're going to do, however the enemy wants to stir them. And so you guys have to come under mask mandate. You've got to come under lockdown. You've got to all go get a shot. And you say, well, they can't make me put on a mask. They can't make me go get a shot. No, but here's what they said they're going to do. They're going to agree as nations, and 194 nations, I think, have already signed on. They're going to agree as nations that any nation that doesn't go along gets sanctioned. So then cut off all of our supplies, all of our this, all of that. Only what we can get in America will have... And with our, our own administration cutting off, our, our, <laughs> seriously, yes, I know. with our own administration cutting off the supplies we have in America, just think of the baby forming the thing, our gas and our oil. Yeah. That's not foreign entities. That's our leadership. So if our leadership is already starving America out, they've already started the siege on America. We're being starved out like a siege, like an army coming around the walls and saying, find what you can to survive, and we're going to starve you out until you go along with what we say. That's already begun with our leadership. Now, add the world community on top of that. So, so they can say basically everybody shuts down supplies to America. Everybody does this, whatever. So it's, it's that kind of force. It's that kind of coercion is what's built into this whole agreement. And so, um, now, now some factual things about this. Number one, 
historically, and I used to believe that it was about every hundred years. I heard somebody say something about every 50. I think I'm closer to being right every hundred on pandemics. We could say, let's meet in the middle and say every 75. I, I haven't done my homework. If some of our listeners want to do that and find out how often it is, I know the mass, the last major world pandemic was a hundred years ago, 1919, the, the Spanish flu. And we had a lot of people die in America and around the world. Well, again, what, 2020, 101 years later or so, we had this happen. So I think it's about every 100 years, even if it's every 75, even as short as every 50. Why are they now saying we need to give over the authority of this international body to be able to get ready for the next pandemic, which we'll get into in just a moment? Um, it's almost as if something is planned. And we talked about talking, you know, pandemic, that phrase gets used. But it's very odd to me that you'd be saying, number one, let's get ready for the next pandemic if they happen every hundred years. And number two, let's give over our sovereignty and our doctors, and we're supposed to be leading the world in technology. Why would we give that over to someone who who very clearly get this leader of the of the WHO, Greg, he showed his his I believe it's willful ignorance. I can't believe he doesn't know better. But he literally came out and said you can't um get um herd immunity on on viruses. Well, that's a lie. Well, of course it is. Yeah. I mean, I heard the video yesterday again. I'd forgotten he said it. And he says out of his own mouth, this whole myth of herd immunity. I'm like, wait a minute. Herd immunity is a proven fact historically and scientifically. You get herd immunity when diseases and illnesses pass through. So to, to make a statement that you don't, there's obviously an agenda. And what his thing was is since we know you can't get herd immunity without intervention, we have to give everybody shots. Well, that's advancing an agenda that is non-scientific and non-factual, that's their leader. And we're saying to their leader who's shown he either doesn't know what he's talking about or is willfully deceptive, I believe it's willful deception. I can't believe he couldn't know that. Kids know it. I mean, you know, they learn that growing up in school. You know that. That's who we're giving the authority to control our health mm-hmm. in America. Yeah. So, so number one, you see the spiritual aspect. Now, we, we you know, again, we talked about this is not man. man men are carrying this out. But this is is demonic, and it might even be better to talk about that before we jump into this in a deeper way there. And I want to take as much time as we need to on this, Greg. I don't want to rush this, but you know, you brought it before the show started, looking a little bit at Job chapter 1 and mm. chapter 2. And when you look at Job chapter 1 and chapter 2, you get a real picture of what's going on behind the spiritual scenes. We tend to think that world leaders are controlling the world environment. They're not. It's either it's It's ultimately all controlled by God. But then God allows Satan and the demonic realm certain levity within what God is wanting to happen. And in Job, we see that Satan goes before God with the demonic realm in chapter 1 and chapter 2 and says, hey, can I do this in Job's life? Okay, you can, but with limits. Can I do this? Yes, you can, but limits. Because it had to work toward God's ultimate plan, what God wanted to happen. And we see again another situation. Remember where the, the prophet uh, uh, Micaiah is standing there before Ahab and all these guys, and, and and he gives them the prophecy of, "Hey, I saw you know God standing there, and I saw demons before the throne, and they asked for permission to come and deceive you." And he says, "God said, all right, go down and put a lying spirit in the in the false prophet's yeah, mouths and all." Yeah. So we get these glimpses behind the spiritual. Jesus curtain. even told Peter that Satan has asked you asked to sift there you, you like wheat. There you go. He had to ask permission. Yes. And we all think, well, don't give him permission. Well, understand this. If God ever gives permission for the enemy in our life or nationally or for whatever reason worldwide, yeah. it's because God has an ultimate plan and God's still in control. So we don't panic over that. But again, in this situation, um, God is allowing the enemy to work toward this one world government. So he's giving authority over very possibly unless God. Now, should we fight? Yeah, let's fight. We know they're going to have this authority someday, but let's fight it. It may not happen. So if they get this, man, just think about it. I mean, Greg, we could have all kinds of things. And I predict that if if they do get it, even if they don't get it, because it doesn't kick into, into gear until November, um, I think you're going to see some shenanigans take place before the next elections. Because remember, we look at it from mankind's viewpoint. Forget politics on Earth for a minute. Yeah. Satan knows that if certain people are in office to stop his agenda, he's got to move before that can happen or do something to prevent it. Now, God oftentimes doesn't let him. But if God is going to let him because of where we are in the end times process, I wouldn't be surprised to see some type of new illness or new lockdown or new whatever before the elections in November. Or, or questionable election procedures and results. Well, get this. If, if there's something that they say, oh, no, everybody's got to lock down or put a mask on or you shouldn't be out, well, then once again, it's up to the voting machines and the Internet 
And they've already shown from this last election that people did get to the Internet and the voting devices. Again, I'm not speaking conspiracy. Yeah. Those who want to do your homework, yeah. the facts are out there. Also you can, known as ballot harvesting. No, you can find them. And again, yeah. you see the, the new movie out by Dinesh D'Souza. I mean, yes, it's, really, mules. it's well documented yeah. and filmed and all this. So yeah. we know that there are uh, – we've always known there are things that go on. I think it has on both sides historically, but we saw how – Heavily it went on this last election. So I, I think there's going to be some type of thing that will happen to try to sway things, if you will. But again, remember, this is not people doing it. People are used. their pawns. Yeah. This is much larger. We're talking about a spiritual thing going on. And that's what we see here with the World Health Organization and all this stuff that's happening here with the Biden administration turning this over. So the bad news is this. The bad news is there there may be an international community outside of America that starts controlling our lives on shots, lockdowns, and freedom in America as of starting the vote being passed as of this week and kicking into effect this November. Can we prevent that, Mark? Yes. Call your congressman. Call your senator. Make noise. That's not being fleshly. That's getting involved yeah. and make some noise. That's okay. And then it's up to God what he allows to happen or not happen. So we have those freedoms to do that. Now, that can cause like panic. Oh, my goodness. We're going to be controlled by these people. Look at the depression. Look at what it did to our, 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 our emotional state. Look at what it did to our financial state. Look at what it did to just life. Yes. Think about it happening again, yeah, right? Exactly. So that, this, is, this is very, very emotionally disturbing, right? Right. The good news of it, that's the bad news. Yeah. The good news of that is God's in control of this and realize things seem to be speeding up rather rapidly in turning authority over to a world system rather than individual countries. That's exactly what the Bible says is going to happen. So rather than going, oh, no, and panicking, we need to go, yeah, God is God is moving this forward. God is letting the enemy do this. God is in control. God is bringing this to pass so that we can get ready for the return of Christ, the rapture of the church, and the new kingdom. So there's two ways to look at it. Emotional depression going, oh, my goodness. And the other side is, yeah, we fight, but... The Lord is allowing this because he's about to come back, and so we're very encouraged to watch God move forward. Yeah. Yeah, you know, on one part, on the human part, you know, we want to, we want this removed. We want, and that's the struggle, I think. Yeah. You know, and what you were saying is that, you know, we need to fight until there's no fight left exactly. in terms of that. Exactly. And and that's, I, I guess that's the weird juxtaposition of our emotions versus our knowledge of God's word is yeah. that there's part of us that does want to fight that doesn't want these things and that's really more on the flesh side yeah. and then our spirit side realizes apart from the, the 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 pain of the flesh that you know there are so many better things awaiting absolutely. us and absolutely and this is temporal yeah you know even when things are good it's temporal even when things are bad or temporal, but this earth as we know it and everything is temporal and it's heading to that conclusion. Yeah. And I think that's the part that all of us, yeah. you know, as, as Christians wrestle with when we're faced with with this type of calamity and this type of crisis is, you know, Pastor Mark, how do we move forward biblically? How do we reconcile our own emotions and our own struggles with everything? And, and, and our mind goes in all sorts of different directions, thinking about our kids and our grandkids and what are they going to have, you know, and uh, it, it can be maddening it to really a certain extent. Be. Yeah. It can be, but again, that's where we have to keep our focus yeah. on the Lord and realize He's in control and that He's bringing this to culmination. Listen, yeah. some generation is going to have to go through some weirdness before yeah. the Lord comes back. And if that's us, then praise the Lord. We're that generation. I think we are. Yeah. But I want to just make you know, you think about being in a war and a battle, Greg. If you're down in a foxhole and the enemy's closing in and you've got one bullet left in your pistol and you know there's a whole army over the hill, I mean, you got two options. You either just like wait till they come and shoot you in the foxhole or you shoot that last bullet for the last guy you can get coming at you. That's really the attitude we have to have as believers. We, we fight till there's no more ability, spiritual ammo, so to speak. No more ability to free speech ammo. Yeah. All these things. These are all weapons we use. Free speech, prayer, all these things. And one or two things is going to happen. Either the cavalry or the Calvary is going to come over the hill and save us in the name of the Lord there at the last minute in the rapture of the church or we're going to go out in honor with that last spiritual bullet or free yeah. speech moment for Christ and then get taken out. Either way, we go into glory and yeah. we get the uh, uh, the medal right. and the reward of Christ right. at the end. Well, and all the more reason right now in this time that we as believers are strengthening ourselves with, you know, taking in God's word, yeah. seeking the Lord, 
praying, asking to be filled with his Holy Spirit right. to overcome these issues of our flesh. Right. You know, I'm reminded of Jeremiah 12:5. You know, if you can't run with the footman, yeah. how can you run with the horses? That's right. And, That's and, right. And, and so we've had a time of footmen, and we're heading into the time of horses. That's right. Bigger things, stronger things yeah. to, that we have to contend with. And so... How, how are we going to do that? We can't do that in our own flesh. Exactly. That comes through the Word of God, the power of God's Spirit, which really, again, I want to encourage our listeners, listen, you need to be spending time in the Word and prayer every day because that is what takes you from yeah. the, the contention with the footman to being able to handle the contention with those that are in chariots. The whole picture there is that you've got to be strong enough to handle the battle. And if you can only handle the footman, when the chariot comes, you're going to get run over. So you need to be not only doing battle in the spirit and in the word and prayer with the footman, that is being a witness for God and standing up and spending time, but that's where you get built up in your training. You know, you become a more experienced warrior, and then when the real battle comes very soon, yeah. you're, you're more ready. Otherwise, it's going to be harder. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Let's get into some Ezekiel 38 and 39 news. Yeah. Uh, this is from the Times of Israel in a first ever, I guess we could say. The Russian military is said to have fired S-300 missiles at Israeli jets That's over right. Syria. That's right. And again, they go on to say it's in what could signal a significant shift in Moscow's attitude. <laughs> to Israel. That's really the main thing. Of I think article. we've been seeing that over the last few months. Exactly. With articles, yeah. But now you, know, you see this. We've been watching this kind of shift in, in verbiage. Yeah. Well, now they've taken action, Greg, and they actually fired S-300s at some uh, Israeli uh, jets. So we told you to be watching for yeah. an uptick in the tensions and the pressure. Now we're seeing an uptick in the tensions and pressure, and it's only going to continue to rise until Iran and Russia move on Israel uh, and destroy them. And by the way, there are some people that are saying within four to five days, they will now have all the uh, fissile material they need to make their first bomb in Iran. Four to five days. They're closing in. I guarantee you once they have it, the process will begin. And that's why, although our particular administration right now has been anti-Israel and standing against them, we saw this last week in the Israeli news that Americans are carrying out refueling exercises with Israeli jets in the Middle East for a potential attack on Iranian nuclear sites in Iran. I know, what a tangled web we weave, right? You know, you talk about the prophetic (laughs) soap opera of Ezekiel 38 and 39, and, you, you know, what is it? Politics makes strange bedfellows. Yeah. Is that what it's got? Uh, yeah. Prophecy makes strange bedfellows with, really with all does. of this stuff. It's it's maddening to see, on one hand, we're going to slap you. On one hand, we're going to shake your hand. I well, mean, again, you watch the Pharisees and Sadducees fight each other, Greg, all through their history. Yeah. And when Jesus came along, they joined together yeah, to try to did. bring him down. They still hated each other, <laughs> but they refueled each other's engines. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, just, it still holds true. It's wow. human nature. And so, yeah, that's what's going on. Keep your eye on it. Okay. Well, you are listening to Signs of the Times on WIAM LP Knoxville with Pastor Mark Kirk. I'm Greg Hilt, and we are going to take a break from our articles so we can get to a listener question. Yeah. This is from Barbara, who enjoys Signs of the Times uh, just south of us in Maryville. And her question is titled, Are the Raptured Church the Only Ones Who Will Not Experience Death? She writes, I finished reading Revealing Revelation by Amir Safardi and left me with this question. If Enoch and Elijah are indeed the two witnesses, if, she emphasizes, and they are ultimately killed, then the only group who have never and will never experience death will be the raptured church. I think of the scripture that says, it is appointed for man to die once and after the judgment. I don't know. Can you shed any light on that? It doesn't seem fair, she says, that we should have such abundant grace and mercy. Yeah. That's a great question, and, and let's kind of just unwrap it. Yeah. Let, let me, let me, you know, because I want to move down that question and answer a couple of main things. But as far as, I mean, technically, uh, the rapture, people are still dying. Uh, you're, you, when it says dying, it means these earthly bodies quit functioning. So when the rapture takes place, everybody's earthly body will stop functioning. So technically, everyone will die once, even those that get raptured. But I know what she's getting at. She's getting at that natural process where one goes at a time rather than a whole large group. Um, and so, so well, Elijah and Enoch being 
taken yeah. up, or, or the Bible depicts that it looks like their bodies were taken up with them in their spirit together. Yeah, and again, it's interesting. They never did find, as far as I know, Enoch's body, and they didn't find uh, Elijah's body. Um, but again, we know that their bodies were still left here on earth somewhere. And how do we know that? Because flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And so was Moses's body too, even though he did die. Yeah, of course. They, and of course, yeah. But the Lord and, and the Lord did say, yeah. "I know where his. I buried it." You know. So I believe that once Elijah's body, once his spirit left, I believe the Lord took his body and buried it. And I believe once the spirit left in Enoch, he took Enoch's body and buried it. It just nobody knows where. And the reason I, the, what I based that on is that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, which means their body couldn't go to heaven. So the Lord, what I think, would have respected their body uh, and would have buried it because that's a big deal to God. He makes that a big deal in the scripture. And so that's a whole other subject. But with that said, um, and let me go and address, since I've talked about the fact that technically everyone does die, let me address that first and stay there. Then I'll move to the other aspects of Amir's uh, viewpoint. And Amir's fantastic. I love him. I can only brag on Amir. I'll get to that in a moment. But with that said, um, you know, you said, you say it doesn't seem fair that, that the rapture, you know, we don't have to die. Remember, don't forget the Bible. God desired that nobody would die. It wasn't his desire that anyone perish or that anyone die. When God created Adam and Eve, he intended that everyone would live forever and that no one would experience death. So those that go in the rapture are just meeting God's expectations for mankind from the very beginning. Yeah. The the unfair part would be, I mean, all the others that, that, that had to die because they of the fall and these guys basically got to do it the way god intended yeah well and that that's why we struggle with losing a loved one that's why we grieve we were never designed to deal with separation from one another we were designed to live forever yeah you get the awkward questions nobody knows what to say because exactly we don't have the gears for that it's like we're not supposed to be able to handle death because death was never part of our creation process it was because we fell now death got enacted so I look at it kind of in reverse. I don't look at it so much as why why did these guys get favored in the rapture that get to go and everybody else didn't. I look at it in the sense of the ones in the rapture, that's what's normal. Yeah. There's not favor. That's normal. God yeah. didn't want anybody to die. It's just sad that everybody else had to because of the fall. Um, now, as far as the other questions I want to look at, though, as far as I haven't read Amir's book, and I did not know, I don't remember knowing that Amir uh, believed it's Enoch and, and Elijah, and I want to address that for a moment. First of all, let me say this, Amir Safadi is, is, is I love the guy. I, I, I love... He's a fantastic prophetic resource. He is. He's a great b- believer. He's a great yeah. prophecy guy. I highly encourage you follow him. I highly encourage you read his books and, and great information. The really neat thing about Amir is I couldn't agree with him in almost everything. I don't agree on this issue, and I'll explain why in a moment. But he may be right. But in almost everything, I agree with Amir. Um, and, uh, and, and on top of it, he lives in Israel. He's, he's an Israeli. He's boots on the ground. Yeah, which means he's he's like our inside guy. He's yeah. our he's our spy. He's our contact. He's right there. So this is I love to to get updates from Amir. So I encourage you to do that. Great guy. Great book. Go for it. Um, but as far as the viewpoint of Enoch and Elijah, I personally believe that it's Moses and Elijah, and I'll get to that in just a moment. I haven't, I have not read his viewpoint on why he thinks it's Enoch and Elijah, and if, if his viewpoint is it's appointed for everyone to die once, then his argument's really kind of like, um, defeated in the rapture. Because if you believe that, if, if your argument is it's going to be Enoch and Elijah because everybody's appointed to die once, well, what about all the raptured people? I mean, they're not going to die once. They're going to be raptured. Again, I said technically they leave their body, so you can make an argument there. But if if the argument is based on Enoch and Elijah in that they never died, then what about all the rapture people? They They also could be the two witnesses. Anybody that goes in the rapture could be the two witnesses because if you're using that argument— because they didn't die either. I'm not saying he made that argument. I've not read the book, and I know that Amir is very sound doctrinally. Again, I, I can't break on it enough. So when I say that I disagree with him, it would just be based, if, if, that's the, if that's the argument, I would disagree based on the rapture because it could be any number of millions of people that go here very shortly when the rapture takes place if that's your argument for saying it's Enoch. If you say Enoch has to be Enoch because he never died, well, neither will the millions that go in the rapture. So that argument to me kind of fades away that argument is raptured out of the argument so to speak <laughs> Very um, good. as far as as far as why he believes that beyond that i don't know now who do i think it is and why i believe it's elijah and moses um because again i don't go with the argument that everybody has to die once because you got the rapture and there's a lot of people not dying but i believe it's moses and elijah because again 
a number of reasons. Number one, those are they are the representatives of the law and the prophets. And when the church is taken out, right, you've got the Jews and the law and the prophets as the main focus of how that's what's left. And then God begins to save people from that. And the picture of the law and the prophets is Moses and Elijah. Even today, they say that Moses represents the law, the Jews do, and Elijah represents the prophets. They were the main ones, so they represent them. Again, you see, I believe, some hints in Scripture. One is, when Jesus is there on uh, the, uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, whatever mount that is, when he's there being transfigured, the two that show up to talk to him uh, are Moses and Elijah, and it tells us in one of the Gospels, they're talking about the last days. They're talking about when the Lord, you know, takes over, whatever. So again, you're looking prophetically. So now you're having this kind of prophetic conference with these two men, and the two happen to be Moses and Elijah. Well, that's very interesting when you know in the last days, prophetically, you're going to have two witnesses showing up in Jerusalem. So I find that intriguing. So how do you reconcile it's been appointed for man to die once when Moses has died once? The same way I do with the raptured people. Okay. Okay. It's the same as so I'm same saying. Thing. Yeah. I, I, you, you can't fully reconcile it, but I'm saying neither can you reconcile all those that get raptured because they're not yeah. dying once either. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that's wrong. Fair so to me, I look at it and go, you can't, that argument to me doesn't stand up on its own. There may, be, there may be other arguments about Enoch. I don't know. But if that's the only Enochal argument, <laughs> then I, I have to not believe it because, I mean, I mean, it could be Enoch. Let me say that. Yeah. But I can't just say for sure it's Enoch because I have to deal with all the rapture issue. Okay. Yeah. Now, and it's not a point worth dividing over either. I mean, of course not. This is all, no. This is non-essential. Non yeah. We know that we're just discussing it yeah. because that's what we do. Yes. Uh, but now, getting back to that number, that, uh, the hints that I think it might be Moses and Elijah. Number one, you have that meeting with the Lord talking about the end times there on Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, that's interesting. Why was it not Enoch and Elijah? Why was it Moses and Elijah? Okay. Um, now the church is gone, which is the representation of the cross, and all you have left is the Old Testament. Now you've got Moses and Elijah, the 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 the, the prophet. And the, the law, of course, I know God's still working by spirit and we'll have the Jews that are saved and more will be saved. So there will be that New Testament representation. But there is some kind of weird thing going on there, it seems like. And then lastly, and this to me is just really cool. And maybe I, I don't know. I just think it's another one of the, I look for Holy Spirit hints. I'll call them Holy Spirit hints. Um, it's interesting where Elijah, it's where Moses died. Okay. And God, it says, took him, his spirit and then buried his body. It's in the same place Elijah went up. They're both right there. If you drew a circle on that little area, that's where God buried Moses, somewhere in that little circle there at the top of the Dead Sea, the bottom of the Jordan, leaning into Jordan. And that's the exact same place that God took Elijah up into heaven. Now, why do I find that intriguing? Only for this simple reason, that the two that I think it is were both taken by God right there together and if they were both buried, we know that Moses was buried there. It is my speculation that Elijah was buried there because that's where his body went up. When God took his spirit, his body would have gone limp. I believe God took his body and buried it just like he did Moses because, again, he wouldn't have left it laying out in the field. The Bible says God shows respect to the body of the saint. It's the cursed that are left out in the field to be eaten by the animals. Um, and, again, we know that Elijah's body couldn't have gone into heaven or paradise because flesh and blood can't inherit that. So I think that he buried Elijah right there. So you've got both Moses and Elijah buried in this small little circle right here together. You've got both Moses and Elijah meeting with Jesus on the Temple Mount. We know that when Moses re-enters his body, which he will, he's going to get up right there out of that tomb and walk up to Jerusalem. I believe Elijah's going to get up out of his tomb right there with him. I think they're going to meet together. I think they're both going to go to the Jordan. I think that the water's going to possibly split again. Maybe it doesn't say that. This is Mark's speculation. Right. But that would be a sign to the nation that these guys are not just ordinary guys. I believe maybe the Jews going, hey, prophets have arrived again. They go to Jerusalem from there. And how cool to see the water split for Moses and Elijah when both of them split water in the past. Elijah, I mean, Moses, the Red Sea, Elijah, the Jordan before he went and was taken up. And now they, again, I think will split it again. Walk up into Jerusalem, and I think they'll finish their ministry there in Jerusalem. That's why I lean toward Moses and Elijah. But let me say that. With my uh, uh, big, long, you know, thing that I gave there, whatever, I may be totally wrong, and it may be Enoch and Elijah. We know Elijah's one of them, the Bible tells us. So I may be wrong. Uh, Amir may be right. and uh, But either way, that's his viewpoint. That's my viewpoint. Those are my reasonings, and I hope that fully answered the question. Fair enough. Barbara, thank you so much for that question. And if you've got a question like Barbara, just hit us up at thewaymedia.net. Or the Way Media app, navigate to Signs of the Times, and you can submit your prophecy question to Pastor Mark. 
Okay, uh, let's uh, do some One World Government news. We've got about six articles and uh, about uh, 15, 20 minutes to get them done. Uh, this one is from Breitbart.com. Klaus Schwab is pledging the world can find salvation. Yeah. Who knew? Yeah. At Davos 2022. Yeah, which starts this Sunday. We talked about that. Again, this World Economic Forum, these guys think they are the saviors of the world. They Amazing. even have their own prophet. Yes. Remember Noah Yuval Harari? Harari yeah. Yes. So, again, famines, floods, Pestilence, drought, plague, wars, (laughs) rumors of war. These are the key issues facing the world today. And the invitation-only World Economic Forum next week in Davos, Switzerland, with just a place to find answers, provided by select globalist elites founder Klaus Schwab, declared Wednesday. And I quote, those issues must be confronted in Davos. And the global food crisis in particular needs our immediate attention. More than 50 heads of state and government will attend the meeting next week. NATO Secretary General, again, list some of the guys. We won't waste the time on that. Schwab warned um, anyone who sought, now get this, get this, they're going to meet. And look at this warning from Schwab. He warned that anyone who sought to trivialize the event or hijack its key messages, including the often mentioned Great Reset, they will be treated with contempt. In other words, don't you dare challenge us. Listen to this. Hmm. Contrary voices will not be tolerated. And I quote, <laughs> I condemn those contrary voices wholeheartedly, particularly of those who have nothing to do with the World Economic Forum community and just come to Davos to hijack our brand. So, but Greg, this is interesting oh, because amazing. without going too long into this, yeah. Spirit of the Antichrist. Yes. He, he will accept no opposition. Oh, no. Yeah, that's you why I'm will, laughing. Yeah, will, this is great. You will yeah. do as I say, or you will face the consequences. <laughs> yeah. So the spirit of Antichrist is at work in Klaus Schwab and the World yeah. Economic Forum as we speak. So very interesting. You will come together and there you, you will like it. He is the typical villain. I mean, you go look at him. It's like that uh, guy could be a, you know one of the James Bond villains. Um, I mean, amazing. It is. Amazing. We can't write a script better no, than this. Oh, uh, no. Okay, uh, let's get into some growing Jew hate otherwise known as anti-Semitism. Look who's been drinking the haterade, Pastor Mark. Far-left congresswoman and squad member Rashida Tlaib. How do you pronounce that? It's Tlaib. Even though it's spelled T-L-A-I-B. Yeah, they they pronounce it Tlaib. Tlaib, okay. There we go. Well, anyway, she introduced a resolution calling Israel's creation a quote-unquote Catastrophe. Yeah, I like the hatery. That's good. But yeah. again, the Talib is probably Talaib. 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 So Talib. Talaib is how it's spelled. But anyway, Very yeah. Good. This is amazing to me, Greg. Here we have now that we're let, now that we're uh, again electing Muslims in America's Congress, which I'm not passing a judgment on either way right now. It's not my point. I'm simply saying there the hatred of Israel is being ratcheted up, and even the terminology of the. Uh, Palestinian movement. I mean, listen, even what she yeah. called it. Uh, Rashida Talib, a Democratic congresswoman from Michigan. By the way, Michigan is becoming in, inundated with Islam and yes. Muslims. It is like probably the American hub for Islam and, and Muslims. It seems to be the gathering place. Yes. I don't know why, but it is. And it makes sense that she'd be elected from there. Introduced a resolution Monday. Notice this. Not a resolution saying saying that Israel shouldn't be there. No. Uh, she is calling for U.S. recognition of Nakba. It's a Middle Eastern term, translated catastrophe, commonly used by Palestinian activists to refer to the establishment of the state of Israel. In other words, it sounds more like a protest in the Middle East rather than the U.S. Congress. The resolution titled Recognizing the Nakba and Palestinian Refugee Rights was submitted a week and a half after Israeli's Independence Day. This is a direct attack and slap. They're celebrating the fact that they're there, that God brought them back. It's like, well, I'm celebrating the fact I want to destroy you, is what she's doing. Which coincides with the Palestinian Nabka Day. Uh, Tlaib's resolution calls for the U.S. to, and I quote, commemorate the Nabka through official recognition and remembrance, that is, the Palestinians should be there, not the Jews, uh, while also claiming that the Nakba refers not only to a historical event, but to an ongoing process of Israel's expropriation of Palestine land, Palestinian land, and its dispossession of the Palestinian people that continues to this day. In other words, you don't belong there, you shouldn't be there, and so um, we're going to declare something against you. It's amazing, Greg, the opposition that comes. This is all spiritually, yeah, we it say is, it. Yeah. But it's amazing to me, again, I don't know if you know about it, but recently actually discovered a while back with the altar of Joshua was discovered in Israel. Um, uh, and, and, and it was hidden for many years because they thought it would cause a world war. Cause it, again, every time they find these things that prove, um, that it's on Mount Ebal and, and but that prove that 
the Jews were there and that Joshua really came in. See, they now teach among the archaeologists, among the, the pro-Palestinian and non-Jewish archaeologists, they, they teach today that Israel never really was in the land previously and that Joshua yeah. didn't even exist, Greg. They say, wow. he, many of them say he didn't even exist. They never came in the land. This is all made up, etc. And now they found Joshua's altar on Mount Ebal, as the Bible talks about in Deuteronomy. So they've got a problem, right? So they hid it. The person that found it hid it for years because they didn't want to start, again, World War Three. They yeah. always say that. Well, now it's gotten out, and you can't hide it. And so they say, well, that altar has nothing to do with Joshua, and yet it dates back to the time of Joshua. And at the altar, they found lamb's bones, oxen bones, all the sacrificial things. And they found a ramp, which God specifically prescribed the priest to go up on a ramp to the altars that they built because the worldly altars to their gods always had steps. And he said, no steps. Only ramps on my altar. And we know now in the Middle East, no one ever put ramps on any altar other than the Jews. That's been proven over and over by the archaeologist Spade. So they find this Jewish altar on Mount Ebal, as the Bible says Joshua built, with all the sacrificial animals. And they, they refuse to even acknowledge it because it would prove that Israel's back in the land. Which, by the way, if we get to go to Israel again, um, we're planning a trip next May. More announcements coming soon. Um, the bottom line is is that we're going to go there. We're going to look at this altar, this new altar that's being discovered or, or found or whatever. Again, showing that Israel's been in the land and God gave it to them thousands of years ago. They would say, and Rashid Talib and others would say, they've never been there, they have no right to the land, and et cetera, et cetera. And so that's what this whole thing's about. It's simply a spiritual hatred of the Jews and of God, and it's the enemy working through her, and it's it's disgraceful. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Pastor Mark, it's time for a smorgasbord that only the Grinch could love. Pestilence, plagues, (laughs) disasters, and corruption are on the menu. Yes. Uh, This is from NPR, African Famine, Ukraine Invasion. Pandemic and drought put millions at risk. We're seeing more and more about this, Greg. Again, that seems to be the big contraction. We always talk about what contraction is currently on the world scene because Jesus said the last days will be like a woman in labor pains. Well, the contraction right now is famine, famine, famine. More than 23 million people are experiencing extreme hunger in Ethiopia, Somalia, and Kenya, according to a new report by Oxfam and Save the Children. That's up from over 10 million last year. The region's worst drought in 40 years has been exacerbating this. Uh, and the, and then the conflict and uh, and the pandemic and the war in Ukraine has sent food prices soaring. So you're seeing all this kind of the perfect storm, as they call it, creating these worldwide famine issues. And again, even mankind helping out in that, which is, again, shocking, but doesn't surprise me in one way. These are signs of the times, Greg. Matthew yeah. 24. Just keep your eye on it. This seems to be our current major contraction. Christianity Daily is reporting that McDonald's is now selling occultic tarot card readings yeah. with burgers and fries. Unbelievable. Amazing. Well, Does I that mean, come in a Happy Meal? I, I don't know. Probably it's going it's to be, I mean, I guess you'd a have tarot to order, meal? It's when you order a medium fry. <laughs> uh, that but was it, good. Anyway, according to USA Today, McDonald's will offer a two-day special to coincide with the start of Mercury Retrograde this week. We'll tell what that is in just a moment. Yeah, please do. Customers would receive a free McChicken or McDouble or Mc, uh, um, um, McDemon with the purchase of a... <laughs> I added that part. That's, that's, that's radio italics. That was fantastic. Really. With the purchase of... And they say it themselves, Greg. Look at this. I didn't realize this till right now. I forgot. Medium fries. If you order, <laughs> if you order medium fries, you get the tarot card. Did you this not read the hard article? I had, you I had, but okay. I didn't. The medium fry thing didn't jump out okay. until I made the um, the, the corny the connection. joke. Yes. Yeah. McDonald's, that's too much. That's too much. I don't think they did that on purpose, but that is just that is just too much. Uh, McDonald's is said to have had teamed with Madam Adam, an astrology trained tarot card reader. Okay. Interesting. Well, to deliver readings to select clients, so it's not just some card you get in your medium Happy Meal. It is um, they're required to disclose their zodiac sign and name on Madam Adam's Instagram or TikTok in order to win. People shared their zodiac signs in hopes of earning the desired tarot reading. So you get to go online and get a tarot card reading from McDonald's. Amazing, unbelievable. Randomly select a lucky few to receive personalized readings according to the McDonald's statement. Okay, what's Mercury retrograde? Here it is. It is an optical illusion. That occurs a few times a year. It's purported to show Mercury, the planet, traveling backward in its orbit. It doesn't really, but it looks that way if you're looking through your telescope. Seeming to be reversing from Earth's perspective when it laps the Earth during its 88-day orbit around the sun. Get this. 
backmasking of Mercury with medium fries, Zodiac tarot card reader. I mean, this is like all your classic. I mean, all they all they need now is just a, some kind of like a kind of a pentagram toy when they hand it out. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I don't mean to make know, fun of this, but, but it's true. It it's is, this is like here, and here. Here's the point. Yeah, in the last days. You're going to see Satanism and demonism get more and more blatant. As a matter of fact, the Bible talks about sorcery soaring in the last days. We've pointed out two meanings of that word. The meaning of pharmakia, which is the actual word, and we talked about drug abuse, definitely a part of it. But there's also an unquestionable connection to the word sorcery, although pharmakia is used, to witchcraft. So you have both witchcraft and drug use, and now McDonald's medium fries. Again, unbelievable. Amazing. Unbelievable. Amazing. All right, uh, Pastor Mark, let's head to the church. Where Christian Headlines is letting us know that a Texas church is referring to God as a female during a Mother's Day service. Yeah, now for those of you that have been listening to... Sorry, I talked too quick. No, that's okay. I just just had to say that that was special. Yeah, well, here's the thing. This is, believe it or not, not new. And if you've been listening to Signs of the Times for any length of time, over the years we've referred referred to the fact that there's been a greater and greater push to refer to God as a female. Um, And that's, you know, again, it's just to insult God. It's nothing to do against women. It's not because being a female is bad, but God reveals himself as a he. He specifically reveals himself with the male gender. And, and and again, the point behind that is, this is a slap of Satan to try to say, no, I'm going to make you into a female, or whatever the case might be. But what's interesting about this article to me, Greg, is not just that this is, because this has happened before. Yeah, It's you're going to see more and more of blatant disrespect to God and blatant blasphemy of God as we head into the last days. The Bible tells us that. On Sunday, a progressive church in Texas, uh, I would say regressive, referred to God as a female. On the Mother's Day service, it says you're, they sang, listen to this song, you're a good, good mother. The worship team wow. of Austin New Church sang on Sunday. And the worship team also changed the lyrics in the song Wonderful Maker to the heart of a mother, rather than the heart of a father. So, again, remember, Satan's desire is simply to mock God. And so it isn't a slap against women. has nothing to do with that. It is simply God refers to himself as he, and to honor God, we refer to God as he. And so... It's just, again, Satan mocking the Lord. Well, and through these articles, Pastor Mark, we're seeing the fulfillment of church apostasy. Yeah. We're seeing the fulfillment of the great falling away. Absolutely. Right before our eyes. That's right. As with everything else. We truly do live in exciting biblical times. We do. And all the things, again, the Bible said were, would yeah. happen are happening. Almost so, Greg, so much so, we, we, we cover these things that he told us is going to happen so often by talking about it each week, it now is becoming like normal and that's why i warn our listeners at all times don't go to sleep listen just because we're talking about it and you're watching it happen you still should be going astounded going god's word is coming to pass exactly as he said don't lose the wonder of what god has shown us yeah well further to the church apostasy we can only assume that this will reveal more of it to us as we look at christian post in a barna research study yes that reveals that only 37 percent of pastors have a biblical world view. Yeah, which means over 60% have apostate cancer. A new study from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University has found that just 37% of Christian pastors... You're on fire. I'm sorry. In the United States have a biblical worldview demonstrating that spiritual awakening is needed desperately in our pulpits and pews. No kidding. Uh, Again, the nationwide study of a a thousand Christian pastors found... That just slightly more than a third, 37% of the U.S. pastors hold a biblical worldview, 67% hybrid worldview known as syncretism. Syncretism. You know, Greg, mm. this is something that we've watched happen gradually now over the years um, in, our, in our nation. And we talk about even the national percentages. If you go back and look at 1900, 1920, 1930, 40, and follow it, you'll see the larger number of, of Americans who c- called themselves Christians and then uh, over the years, you watch that begin to fade. Now, what's interesting is you still have a large number of Americans call themselves believers, but now you see their viewpoints are very unbeliever. You see the increase of accepting um, non-biblical teachings and non-biblical cultural norms that are happening now taking place. And so you watch that kind of fall, and then you begin to watch this downcline in the pastors. And Greg, once the pastors go down, then what else, you know, it, what else do you have? We talked about this. Wherever the pastor sets the biblical standard for a church, the people are going to fall under that to some degree. 
It's the same thing with parents. Mom and dad, whatever standard you set in the home, your kids are going to fall under that some percentage because they're going to use their fleshly freedoms more than you. I'll give you an example. If mom and dad, if, if it's okay for you to drink a glass of wine or to have a, a, a shot of whatever this or that in your home, you can be sure your kids will th- say, well, mom and dad can have a glass of wine. I can have three. If mom and dad can have a beer, I can have four. It's just human nature. Whatever we see a door open to, we allow more and oftentimes... Uh, those who, who have had that experience will share that testimony with you. Now, I'm not making a judgment about whether or not you have a glass of wine. I'm making a point, and maybe I could have and should have used a different example. Here's my point. The same thing is true with pastors in the pulpit. If I stand in the pulpit and I say that, you know, the Word of God is, is, is mostly true, or let's say this, 100% true, which I believe, inerrant, here it is. You're going to have a certain percentage of the body, very small percentage, that'll be right there with me. The majority will fall a little below and say, yeah, I believe it's true, but I see things a little different on these things. And, and then it kind of works its scale down. Now, if I drop my standard down and say, well, I think that only the words in red, you know, what they've identified that Jesus mm. said, the rest of it's questionable. Maybe the Lord's words may not be. Maybe really God's word may not well, now I'm starting below the standard of God's word. Now it's going to fall even farther. Then if I get to where now the Old Testament, we don't really need that. That's kind of written. That was a different God. That's not the same God. as the new. Now I've lowered it at another level. You get the point. If you keep lowering it. And so now we start calling our father God mother. Okay. You start, you start getting into, um, I believe this portion of the Bible. I don't believe that portion. Once that happens, this is the collapse of the church. And, and, and again, the Bible said in the last days, again, you'll see the apostasy rise. And you're going to see more and more people falling away. We're watching it take place before our very eyes. So for those pastors that are standing on the word of God, do not lower your standard. We need you desperately. You 37% that are out there that are believing the word of God literally, that are teaching it literally, line by line, verse by verse, standing on it, old and new, all of it, don't back down. Because you're the only thing holding this thing together. I mean, I know it's the Holy Spirit. We all know that God's holding it together. I'm not putting that on man. Colossians chapter 1, Christ holds all things together by his power. I know that. But as far as his representatives and messengers, we are the ones that are carrying the purity of his message on, Greg, yeah. and we better make a stand. Well, Colossians 2.8 basically says, don't be taken captive yeah. by hollow philosophy and deceit based on the basic traditions of of humanism and in this world, and I'm paraphrasing here, right. rather than on Christ. And when you allow those teachings of the world to creep in yeah. to affect how you view and believe yeah. the Bible, yeah. well, then what's to say the thing? So you say there's certain things in the word I don't believe and certain things I do. Well, if you say that, that those certain things are errant, what's to say that the things that you hold as inerrant Aren't errant too. That's right. It, the whole, the whole, the whole building collapses. That's right. Yeah. Once you allow spiritual yeah. creep, you yes. become one. Yeah. Uh, and and so so the bottom line is, is we need to stand firm on the word of God and not back down any. Stand on God's word. Don't give an inch. Um, the world will mock you. The world will make fun of you, but hey, you're in good company. They did the same thing to Jesus. They to did the, the same thing to all the prophets, and they were willing to go to their death for it. Yeah. Matter of fact, what did Paul say? Look, you've not suffered under under blood. So, you know, why are you, you know, why are you, um, you know, concerned because you're coming out of persecution? You've not suffered under blood. Look what Christ did. Look what the prophets did. And in America, at this point, at least, we don't really suffer um, that whole idea of unto blood. You know, we, we get mocked. We get this and that. I promise you, if you just stand firm and endure the mockery and that kind of stuff, you're going to be glad on that day you stand before Christ you did. And the people that deny him and deny his word, you're going to be ashamed when you stand before Christ on that day. Don't yeah. be ashamed. Stand firm yeah. on Jesus Christ. So great encouragement yeah. and a great reminder of how serious we need to be yeah. as pastors in the body yeah. of Christ in the last days. Absolutely. And another thing, too, to be an encouragement to all the believers, too, don't have your pain in advance. Yeah. Don't don't worry about the things that might happen. Yeah. Because whatever comes your way that God wants you to go through or be a testimony or a witness for yeah. him He's going to give you the grace. He is going to give you whatever you need in that moment. And we see it in Scripture where God provided. You can read the Book of the Martyrs where God provided everything that everyone needed. Woe unto you when all men like you. 
Yeah. Wow. That's what the word says. Woe unto you when all men like you. Be aware of that. Be aware. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Folks, thanks for listening. Don't forget the WayMedia.net or the WayMedia app. All things Signs of the Times related, as well as other things that we provide through the WayMedia, including this radio station and other media content that Pastor Mark produces, as well as other people on staff. And we enjoy you to partake in that. And come back next Friday at 1.30 as we continue to discuss and learn how these things happening in our world today are pointing to God's Word as Signs of the Times. Literally, it goes in a can, headed to a landfill. It's out of sight, out of mind. Worry has no value. You don't want it sitting around. It's trash. You know what to do with trash. You don't keep it. You find a way to dispose of it. Why do we take worry with no value and embrace it like an old friend? God's the worry collector, and he can pick up what you worry about. Worry. Dispose of properly. WIAM 101.1 FM. The Way. I've seen so many miracles, I forgot what the word impossible means. Praise hands to the sky, get your hopes up high, cause with God it's a regular.